You look sleep back there, man. We got a long day at the job. A little warm. A little warm. A little warm. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. You just got to take the picture. See, it used to be people wanted to take your picture. Now people want you to be in their picture. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column. Column. Greetings and welcome back to another installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. I am Camille Foster of Freethink Media and uh, delighted to be with you today. I am joined, uh, as always, by two remarkable men on this exciting auditory journey. That's, that's, you look that up next time. Yeah, it's not a word. It's not a word. I think it's auditory. I, I, I know, but I said auditory. Can, okay. can I? Every single show we start, I'm yeah. not done with the credits, and the white splaining begins. Yeah, yeah, Just but, back off. Yeah, because the black language hey, begins. Hey, 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 come on, don't! I gotta, I gotta hey. back away from that already. It's a this joke, our, people. Yeah, it's a joke. Good, there you go. I'm not even going to protect you today. No, please. This do. is our, our almost weekly uh, <laughs> rhetorical assault on the on the news cycle. The people that make it in ourselves. Um, and uh, delighted to be here with you. I'm Camille Foster of Freethink, as I said. Uh, I am here with Michael Moynihan of Vice News. <laughs> Matt Welch, oh, I thought you forgot editor my at Reason, editor at large at Reason Magazine. Um, and we do have a wonderful guest in the studio for the entire oh, hour. He the is best. here with us to help elucidate things and make things. Well, make America great again. Yeah, and try, make try to guess what make what Mexico great again. Also, yeah. too. Well, I'm going to tell you because it's important. Yeah, um, he, is it? Yeah, not, it is important. Not, you know, not particularly. I'm going to tell you why um, it's important. It's Josh <laughs> Steps, host of, uh, of We the People, the We the People yeah. Live podcast. He, 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 Hello, of America. Yeah, I'm drinking some tea. Listen to <laughs> this. Yeah, you see, he's from Switzerland. <laughs> our favorite Swiss. <laughs> he is. Uh, he is our guest for the hour. He is. He is definitely. No one else here has tea. Trust the Australian to brew a delicious cup of Earl Grey tea. <laughs> and he's and he's spoiled the surprise, uh, of course. But he is one of the most extraordinary Australians. America and yeah. one of my favorite. Who are the oh, shit, I just gave it away. Who are didn't the I? other extraordinary Australians don't, in America? Don't take this away from him. No, I'm just asking you. Who do you think I, the other one? Look, it's, it's, I don't is know. Sugar tits uh, an Australian? Yeah, not really. He's Mel, from, Mel like, Gibson. Upstate New York. Well, you can have him. Yeah, you can have him. I'll yeah. take. But him. he grew up in. A, he, he was raised and he trained in Australia. He would. He trained what in about, Holocaust. What about Rusty? What about Russell Crowe? What about Naomi Watts? What about Nicole Kidman? What about Kate Blanchett? Do you do anything else besides Rush? No, we only we only act and swim. Yeah, no. Yeah, but you're still. But you're still. Pauline Hanson. Come on, people. You're still my favorite. Thank you. And and I think your podcast is great. Um, I have been a guest on it. I think twice now. You're a beloved guest. Has done it. I would say. You know, beloved on the show. Beloved. A lot of the times, I also got some some uh, some hate mail, which we should talk about, hmm. um, because Black Lives Matter, my life matters. Um, and, wait, a uh, wait, wait a second, did you just acknowledge that he was black? I, I take think, it easy. Well, hold on, this take is it a, easy. That's, wait, hold give on. me a second. We had a so I, I do want to shout out We the People Live. The Twitter handle for the show is at WTP Live. No, right? this is at WTP underscore. Oh, live because some oh, fuckers already got WTP live. <laughs> I screwed up. Wow. We should that's do something like, about that. It's a guy. It's a guy from Geo yeah. right Cities. Hey, hey, no over talking. You are the <laughs> no. audio is going to be a mess. No, Just take it easy. Deal with it. They can deal with it. No, they can't. Well, they can go fuck themselves because they don't pay for this. This is free. Well, so over talk. You're going to get over talk. Well, it's free for you, which means you don't pay for it either. So don't you dare over talk. I know who pays for this bitch. 
John, um, Josh I'm not Sapps. calling you. Bitch. I'm <laughs> Wait, I have to pay for this. Well, they may also be strong language <laughs> uh, on this podcast. I feel like we're getting off to a pretty we, good start. We are getting off great. to a good start. Just you're, you're a little bit out of shape because we've been like because uh, uh, we're having fun, getting all up in your grill the last couple this of is, episodes. Yeah, that's true. And this is our first episode back in the CEO in some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to start off by telling you guys about my amazing night with uh, at the uh, Magnificent Seven premiere like hanging out with Denzel Washington who totally spoke to me like he po- he pointed me out in the crowd and walked over to me and talked to me um, okay okay and let's I, can and we, I took can a picture we, with let, other exciting let, celebrities let, but let I'm not moder- talk about no, that no, no, instead. let me moderate this for one second let me be the host here <laughs> so you were in the audience at the Magnificent Seven in the Denzel, audience I don't know what you're doing what, what you, no, you were on the I'm screen on the, what I'm is on this? the rope line just hanging out okay because that's what I do and he came up to you and yeah. talked to you is yeah. this true totally true and why did he come up to you I looked bored was that right? Yeah, yeah. I was and looking did, at my phone, and there was this. There is the predictable scrum that ensues when Denzel Washington like walks into a room. It's oh my god, it's yeah. Denzel Washington, and every every iPhone is out, every camera is snapping, and he sees me like looking at my phone, not and paying he said, attention. Put your phone away, and I hear, I hear, <laughs> wow, you look like you're having a great time. Oh, that's great. And I didn't look up initially. I said, oh my god, please don't let him be talking to me. And he said, yeah, I mean, you just seem kind of bored to be here. Something along those lines. I look up and we are making eye contact with one another. He walks away from the red carpet and walks across the carpet to come and talk to me. And we have a conversation. And he begins to tell me, first, I mean, he's just sort of talking about my boredom. Then he gives me some sort of strange old man story um, Mm -hmm. about what happens (laughs) when a society has too much access to information. Oh, yeah. If you you don't read the news, you Mm -hmm. are uninformed. And if you read the news, you're ill-informed. So when you get the internet, then, and I don't know any of the rest of what he said, and all I was doing, because I'd gone from the guy who was too cool to be in the room to the guy who was completely starstruck, Mm -hmm. and is just, I have my chin resting on my wife's shoulder, and I'm just nodding in agreement with this man saying, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Totally uh-huh. true. Yep. Were you trying to use Tracy as like, hey, look at my hot wife kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I always do that. She yeah. was standing in front of me. But you played um, it her. wrong. If he came over to you and he said, hey, you, like nothing interesting, and you're looking down your phone, you'd have played it right if you looked up and you said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would be like, oh my God, you just told me, that's amazing. And you'd, yeah. you'd probably be best you're friends right. with him right now. And you're you right. have to, you, you'd probably be in training day three. I you should have converted this into an ask. He's talking about the media. I don't, well, I'm sorry, what's the name of your company again? As I said, no, I seriously, was the name of the starstruck. company. You should have at least invited him on run. Josh Zepps's podcast. What does it do? What is it called? <laughs> It's I called was... Free Think Fucking Media. Mm. You have Denzel Washington in front of you. You were looking, if I'm not mistaken, for someone who would be a really good narrator for one of your documentaries, maybe great. about the drug By war. By the way, this is great. The I most, wonder who that could have been. The no, most, Denzel doesn't I have to do say that the, mo- the most excited I've seen Matt on this podcast is a Denzel Washington story. <laughs> this is, it's like, this God, is true. It's t- a hey, Camille tell, Foster tell, story. Yeah. Tell right? the one about how you screwed up the conversation with Felicia Rashad. who <laughs> probably have a fucking coronary. <laughs> Jesus. A lot going on in the world this week. Yeah, let's week. talk about the world. Yeah. Uh, so, so we will we will pivot, and and it's interesting. There are two things that I should say up front. Can we I also talk- just clarify? Is this whole show about Denzel Washington? <laughs> yes. No, no, no. We're actually going to turn yeah. our attention to we very. We will get to Naomi Watts. We are going to turn our attention to deadly serious. Because I have a lot things. to say about the movie Flight. I just learned that. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 is obviously racist. Great. Yeah. I mean, oh the, the white guy gets Sully. He's a damn hero. Yeah. The black yeah. guy is an alcoholic basket case who mm-hmm. loses his job. And goes to prison. I actually wow. watched Flight and Sully on the same day last weekend. Did you really? What yeah. kind of weirdo are you? I, I like planes. What? <laughs> Plane, 
plane crashes, you mean? I'm sorry. That was that wow. is weird. Really, that just is stopped str- everyone in their tracks. That is strange porn that you are into there. Josh I thought this was an aviation <laughs> podcast yeah. focused exclusively on Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks. Did I come into the wrong studio? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, plenty, a Qantas T-shirt. Plenty going <laughs> on in the world this week. The places where we may go if we don't if we don't run out of time. Yeah, let's get into it. So we want, um, we want to hear the Zeps view yeah, of the world. Tulsa, the Tulsa shooting um, is certainly yeah. something we'll be discussing. Uh, a weekend actually punctuated by by domestic terror. A very um, a lot a lot there. Um, and the presidential campaign continues to roll on. Some some sad updates there. Perhaps uh, Matt Welch will fill us in. Um, but perhaps we should um, just just jump over to the to the Tulsa shooting first. And and I'm I'm calling it the Tulsa shooting um, pretty deliberately here. I think we're in a, we're in a situation where, and, and we'll talk about this, the four of us assembled in this room, none of us, we all watch the media closely. We talk about media things frequently. Uh, none of us have watched that video um, all the way through, um, which I think it'll, will be interesting to talk about. Um, the, to set it up and provide some context, there was a shooting. Um, a man at a traffic stop um, was pulled out of his car, got out of his car, um, was... Um, had his hands in the air and there was a helicopter shooting the entire incident. The cops themselves were not wearing lapel cameras, um, despite the fact that there was apparently a six or $700,000 grant that had been given to the Tulsa police department to obtain uh, lapel cameras. This uh, from Anthony Fisher at reason magazine, very good publication, surprisingly. Um, And uh, yeah, we don't actually know much more besides the fact that he was tased and then shot. Um, And, we are waiting to see the results of this, but unsurprisingly, there is a lot of conversation about this story, um, despite the fact that we don't have a lot of facts in front of us. And, and, and here it is. And I mean, we've talked about it before on this show, but just to, to restate it quickly in a situation like this and with the with the terror attack as well, when you have a story where you just don't know many of the details, it's worth noting that you don't know many of the details and that the facts that we think we know are likely to change. We can look at the Orlando shooting that was just a little while ago. Um, and I mean, it is it is hard to even number the 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 myriad storylines that are now completely unsubstantiated. The the gay boyfriend, the scouting of Disneyland or Disney World. I can't I, remember I want to which point it out is. that I was I was an early um, doubter of the the gay theme. You always are. I um, well, not my own gay. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> um, I'm just I call it open minded. If you want to put a name on it, that's yeah. fine. Um, I was a doubter of that. But here's the thing: we were just talking about this before we came in about the about the. Um, you know, it seems from how the video has been described to me that this is pretty straightforward. But then, as we discussed, seems. it's never really straightforward. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there is a maybe a 90, 100 percent chance that this guy was just shot down in cold blood. This does happen. You know, cops can do these unbelievably horrifying things. But as as you pointed out, I made a joke the other night and I was attacked uh, by um, Adam Serwer. Um, who's um, um, did you just make up that last name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just a, co- a combination yeah, of consonants. I wish I had. Um, who is like, I don't know, Mother Jones or something. And I made a joke <clears throat> on Twitter after, uh, right after the bomb went off in Chelsea. And I said, This is the point in the night where all the, the, the sort of self uh, um, aggrandizing journalists get on Twitter and tell everyone not to jump to conclusions. I hate this more than anything. Mm-hmm. Is that it's like they get in like, excuse me, hey, plebs, you know what? We don't know the details. It's like, come on, go fuck yourself. Hmm. We know that we don't know the details and we're allowed to speculate because we're human beings and we're just going to say, I wonder what happened, right? 
no one is saying this is the last, the end point. This is the end of the chapter, and we can't, the, the news will not develop from here. We do that in situations like terrorism, especially if it might have a negative thing. Like, don't assume that, that you know, it's, it's uh, sort of Islamist terrorism. It could be some... You know, homophobe or a homophobic Islamist that there was, seems, to, seems to have turned out to have been. There was that five-second moment under Bill de Blasio when this was not terrorism; it was an intentional act. It was an intentional mm. act, <clears throat> which, which I don't know. Apparently, that's not terrorism. Also, I mean, but we we don't do that though when it when it comes to, to to these videos, the shooting videos. And again, I want to make this very clear that it might be and might very well be because I haven't watched the video that what we see is exactly what we get. And this is you know another case and all too common of police acting like roguish, thuggish uh, people that they can sometimes be. But as we, as Camille and I talked about as we were coming in here, the Mike Brown stuff, that's an example of the media getting way out ahead of the facts. And when Eric Holder's Justice Department released the that DOJ um, grand jury report, it was like, oh, all that stuff that we've been talking about for so long wasn't exactly right. So we do hold fire in some cases and not in others, but depending, also, depending on but what there's video. our narrative. I mean, I can, I can understand <clears throat> true. why... That's, that is true. I can understand why it's important to the people who are involved in any particular case, the yeah. loved ones, the police and so on, to be uh, scrupulous about paying attention to what precisely happened in that particular case. But I don't know why we as a nation and a globe have to constantly go through a lot of hand-wringing about the specifics of any particular case. We yeah. can talk in, gen in generalities about trends that are going on. And, I mean, for example... People will jump down your throat when you make anything that might seem to be an assumption about uh, you know, when, when something like this happens. As you say, you know, you, the Boston bomb <coughs> bombing happened. I, right. I tweeted something that was a generalized comment about terrorism in general and just endured tens of thousands of hate tweets about the fact that I was apparently jumping to conclusions. Nothing that I said was a conclusion that would not have been valid to talk about were it not, regardless of what the particulars of the of the Boston case were, so I almost feel like, who gives a shit what the specifics of this particular case are? Let's just table that. Let's mm. put that to the. Oh, I always forget what table means in this country because it means opposite <laughs> things in Britain. In one in one place it means put it on a table, and in another place it's it means put it aside. Side, yeah. Northern yeah. hemisphere, we'll southern aside. hemisphere. Yeah, that's uh, right. Problem. Yeah, uh, we, all, we sit on the ceilings in, put it to in the side. Australia. Yeah. Uh, so you know, put that to the side, and then you can have a conversation about a whole bunch of of. Um, of principles that are going to be raised by this sort of thing, regardless of what the specifics of this particular shooting are. But right. you, rem you remember in, in the Dallas uh, shooting, uh -huh. do you remember the guy that had the AR-15 on his back, um, black guy, AR-15 on his back, at photographed the, at, at, the the, at the protest, right. and he, this uh, picture went around and said, you know, and because the, the police said, we want to talk to this guy. And the schlub who was running the Twitter account was probably some, you know, junior person and said he's a suspect or I they meant to say a person of interest which if you have an AR-15 at the scene of a shooting of a multiple police officer should be a person of interest I don't think there's anything strange about that so this picture zips around the world and then you have the hand-wringing for three days of these obnoxious self-righteous journalists saying you know what you've done to this man you know what you've done by jumping to conclusions and spreading his image? Stop spreading it. You know, this. all these, I always get these things. There's always one guy, and I can name like five journalists that always do this. Like, stop spreading that image. You know, you're really doing damage. It's like, first of all, get out of the fucking bubble. There's like, you know, 0.001% of us that are on Twitter and actually follow these people, number one. And number two, that guy's life is fine. Right? I, I don't think he's, there's no negative repercussions. He did a bunch of TV and said, yeah, it feels terrible to for about 45 minutes be accused of maybe being involved in this. But so what? 
So, I mean, maybe somebody should write a piece in defense of jumping conclusions because it's, I mean, I don't recommend it, but I don't understand what this thing is about. We have to stop jumping conclusions. And this is what happens on Twitter constantly. It's just this mechanism for people to browbeat others and be morally superior because they don't jump to conclusions. What I get bugged by is uh, obviously being a libertarian dickhead. Um, uh, <laughs> Redundant. Is, thank you. <laughs> Uh, when that speech comes not from people on Twitter trying to kind of police their colleagues, but when it comes from actual officials. So de Blasio, you could feel that that was a motivation for him to say what he did. Yeah. Um, I remember this from the early days after 9-11. Uh, there was a guy, uh, I think an Egyptian guy, who came up to the counter of the El Al uh, booth at LAX. Yes, I remember this. When I lived in L.A., uh, and he came, he had, a, I think, a bunch of guns and a knife, and I think shot, killed two people, maybe, Some, people, something yeah. along those lines. And everybody in L.A., uh, the, whoever runs LAX, whatever commie does that, um, the, uh, the uh, LAX is a nightmare. I mean, yeah. and all, there's, I mean, it's almost as bad as the Port Authority in terms of, uh, of uh, local idiots running airports. Um, the mayor at the time, everybody around, I think even uh, the, the uh, I don't want to say President Bush, but someone in the in the federal structure, too, like this is not terrorism. This is not terrorism. It's like, OK, it's just an Egyptian dude who decided to pick out someone at the <laughs> Israeli <laughs> airline and try to kill him in a yeah. public place and kill as many other people as possible. And yeah. thankfully only uh, got a limited damage done. Uh, there's this kind of condescension of it. Like we're afraid that. You people might act out if we tell you or hint of what's kind of seems obvious in this case being true. And it's not true. Being true. It's not true. Well, did you see the Clinton campaign's uh, press release in the in the wake of the, the New York terror attack? It, it, it said apparent terror. Clinton Clinton remarks on apparent terror attacks in New Jersey, New York. And I can't remember what the, what the third state was. I mean, how how much information do you need before they cease being apparent? But I suppose it depends on what 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 time what time we this the statement was released. This was pretty late. Yeah, this was, this was by the time we we'd already you know, yeah. So we, that, we that, that robot had already blown up the bomb. Yeah, so we yeah, know. I mean, that's like cookers. the jerk when when Steve Martin's like, sh he hates cans. They're shooting at cans. Yeah. Does she think like, oh my god, it's a guy who really hates like trash yeah. bins, and I'm going to blow them up? in all over the country. I mean, it seems pretty obvious at that point, but everyone's like, you know, it, it's so funny how rote it is with people. Hillary Clinton was made fun of for this, and, and justifiably so, for giving Donald Trump a hard time for calling it a bombing while in the same breath calling it a bombing. Right. Did you see this? She said, no, like, no. Hmm. You know, the bombing in New York and then, like, some, I don't know, was it before or after, some chain of events have they asked her a question about Donald Trump. And she's like, you know what? You really shouldn't jump to conclusions and, you know, that it's a bombing. And it's, she had just said the same thing. And it's just this This was on her plane when she was looking like a zombie. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. like she just popped four Xanax. <laughs> she probably had nine strokes. According to Alex Jones. Hey, hey. No, I don't believe no. this. I don't believe this. We can speculate. You, you gave us license we're, to we're speculate. Just, we're just asking questions. Speculate all look, you want. I, I wonder, I mean, so look, I think that there are there are two things here. I mean, in some cases, people clearly for because it is consistent with their biases will say, we probably shouldn't speculate here. Let's let's wait and see what's going on. Um, but I also think that there is a responsible way to go about that. I mean, the fact that there are any number of pervasive myths that just stay with us um, after an important story sort of fades from our collective recollection or at least our, our sort of immediate um, access uh, from a memory standpoint, I think that's important. Uh, and I think it matters. And I also think it's important to note that part of the part of the conversation about the way these stories are covered from my standpoint is also the story selection. 
Um, if yeah. we were talking about a white guy who had his hands up and white cops, I'm not sure if we would be talking about this story for very long. Um, and a lot of the conversations that happen when we do pick this up and we sort of start to we start to in, inject our own pet issues into it uh, and the conversations that we have around the around the story. So for me, I definitely I think it's fair to have conversations about this, to provide people with information as we know it. I do worry a little bit about like the the Chris Hayes uh, tweet, for example, um, when he says, well, fortunately, the guy had a bomb and not a gun, which I don't know what you were trying to convey. Wait, who was talking you, about? Chris Hayes was talking about the bomber um, in this case. So we've we've conflated two stories now. We were talking yeah. about the Tulsa shooting. Sure. We've talked about terrorism a little bit. But with respect to the, the bombings here in New York, he said, thankfully, the guy had a bomb and not a gun. Oh, because if it was a gun, there would be more. Well, to be fair to the cops, they shoot people without guns, too. So <laughs> at least. <laughs> so he was saying that he would have actually killed people if he had a gun. He would have killed. He would have killed people, perhaps more people. But by the way, to, I mean, much I, worse. I, Chris is a friend of mine and I like Chris a lot. Uh -huh. And I think he's a very smart guy. But as far as I can tell, this guy didn't have a criminal record and could have purchased a gun. I mean, New Jersey is obviously a difficult state to buy right, a gun in. Right. But, you know, doesn't take a lot. If So, for instance, well, he if was I on an to, FBI watch list, well, wasn't he? Does that preclude no, you? Well, well, well this, no, is, this is just it. And it so we, we should maybe, we'll, we'll say this. Yeah. Look, the Tulsa shooting, deeply sure. concerning. Plenty of issues there for us to for us to look at. This really did just happen, and we don't know much more. Yes. So moving on to well, can I to just this... make, can I just do one rant about oh, the sure. Tulsa shooting? Go for it. Go for it. You know, two things occur to me as a as a, a foreigner in this in this country. One is the the fact that it is awash with guns makes it very difficult for cops to make judicious um, engagements with people without resorting to lethal force because you never know at precise just how quickly the other person is going to is going to take you down if you're a cop so I, I think that guns can't be taken out of the equation when we look at the the excessive force that police use against civilians the other thing is it just strikes me and we've spoken about this before Camille it, it strikes me that the the kind of bumping up against civilians that police do habitually in big cities like New York, and I don't know what the what the laws are like in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. is so much more intrusive than the libertarian part of me wants to imagine should be legal. Sure. And that that as an Australian understanding, having read the US Constitution, coming here and moving to New York, the idea that cops could just randomly stop someone in the street in New York and frisk them and tell them to empty their pockets and pull them over on a highway and potentially pull down their pants and start fondling their junk while cars drive past, and that that's legal. Yeah. It's so obviously not le it's so obviously not constitutional if you just read the constitution. This is a, this this runs afoul of the whole spirit of the founding of the United States of America. So although that's sort of tangential to what's going on in 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 Oklahoma, whenever one of these things crops up, and I take the point that we don't know exactly what happened in this particular case, for me it fits into a jigsaw. It's a jigsaw piece in my brain that is preoccupied constantly with the the heightened level of of abusiveness and sort of interrogativeness that comes from 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 law enforcement towards civilians every day in the United States, and the uh, the greater threats that police officers face as a result of the of, of the gun problem. Well, I'm, now you can move on. I think that's a I think that's a really uh, shrewd point um, to make. The, there is a uh, weird disproportionate um, relationship between the kind of things that cops can do to you um, and. Uh, what you would think should be our constitutional protections, especially in the Fourth Amendment. And those have been eviscerated over the last 40 years, For the first through the drug war and second through the war on terror. 
um, to the point where we have all these internal checkpoints, you know, 75 miles north of the border, uh, and people can be uh, uh, just incredibly violated at them for no good goddamn reason uh, at all. And that is with us. Um, this the it's kind of the residue of the of the long war on crime and the war on terror is that you that in theory cops can do this at any given point. Um, and it, you're right. It is it's just weird. Like mm. it, it is so different than just about any country in Europe, for example. It's so different than places that don't have constitutional protections. And it's a it's a weird paradox. Yeah, I mean, you see that it's it's an interesting thing because you know when you look at Europe, for instance, is a great, great example of this. Uh, speech protections. And I know you've, you've talked about free speech a lot in the past. It's sort of a passion of mine. And on the show, we talked He's about it. He's pointing at me because yeah, you can't, they can't see you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that we do is, is, I think that, is that a towel or is that a camera? How we were filming this. Um, you know, I mean, just this, this idea that, you know, you, you tweet something in the UK and um, you can be arrested for it. And, and the idea that, that, that this is not common is wrong. It is common. People actually do get arrested for errant tweets, straight tweets, the rest of it. But you know, the, it, what, what has also changed is that from 2001, everybody wanted the TSA to exist. And he, everybody wanted Homeland Security to exist. They were t no, there was no objection even amongst Republicans. Republicans you know, never object to the growing of the size of government. But you would think that this creation of a whole new department, no one really cared, right? So this becomes this massive thing. The one thing that the American people are incredibly stupid about a lot of things, which is why Donald Trump is is as popular as, but clever enough in experience. I'm sorry to say, but it's true. And you know what? We don't believe in security theater anymore. I get this from everybody. It used to be that anyone you talk to would say, like, look, I'll wait in line, but terror, we, we're worried about this is going to happen again. I, I have not met a person who believes that that long snaking line at the door of JFK or LaGuardia or wherever you are is doing anything, which is actually fairly interesting. So Donald Trump has this thing or his, his son, a half-wit kind of inbred looking child that he has that tweeted something about uh, Skittles. You saw this thing, mm -hmm. right? Well, you, know, do, you know, would you take a handful of Skittles if two of them are poison? By the way, this everyone's like, hmm, this Skittles thing. I heard Glenn Beck saying this. About four or five months ago, when uh, the whole a lot series, of people, a lot were of people, it, so it's, it's not, it's not, a while a, yeah, ago. yeah. But the point that no one is is that you know, if it would have to be about ten million skittles in one poison skittle, yeah, it's not like there's a bowl and there's one. I mean, yeah. this is why people don't believe in security theater anymore because they don't, be, they believe that terrorism exists. It does, I think. It is. I don't think it's an existential threat. They know that ISIS controls large swaths of territory. That is terrifying. That there's that many people, enough people that you can recruit from Europe and other Muslim lands to come and you know create a caliphate and actually fight them and like fight them tooth and nail and have to have to eject them from Mosul and all these places. So people know that it exists and it's a real thing. But you know, for the most part, in the U.S., it's like. Guy blows up a couple of trash cans. You know, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know. My, Michael, you were here during 9-11. Sorry, uh, but and, it's and, uh, and I was. I, I was I here can, in New York. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can't imagine that, actually. Uh, I've lived here for four years, and I was struck uh, during this, uh, the Chelsea uh, bombing and everything else like that. Kind of, I mean, everyone was paying attention. We wanted to know what was happening. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like people on that block were like having a block party within within ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah, like people went about like their rolled. Lives. They yeah. went about yeah. with their lives. I did not feel scared. We, you and no. I, have daughters who go to school sure. and things like that. I was not scared for their welfare in New York City. My daughter's know? school sent out an email about this, or I think it was a parent at the school, 
And, you know, I mean, again, my daughter goes to school where all the kids are called, like, purple and, you know, <laughs> in, like, it's like, Los like, Feliz Elementary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, Sasquatch is like, Sam Squanch. Like, what is, what is this? And um, so it's, it's one Swedish, of those, my... So one of these places, right? Um, so I got, I got an email that was, it was like, you know, we all saw what happened in Chelsea, and I just deleted it. I was like, and I started laughing. I was like, what is this about? And I deleted it. It's like, I don't worry about someone snatching my kid it doesn't happen well it's funny that, right? that, that it's when something kind of... like this happens in new york city the places that freak out about it are kansas america is under attack <laughs> in kansas and in new york in new york well it like, also helps then we get all, into the deli now it helps that all of cable news is based in new york yeah. so like when there's a bomb within 25 blocks of where we're sitting right now then it's going to get covered and, a little bit and, yeah. and what is chelsea <laughs> that's a Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. I, got, I got phone calls. I got phone calls and, and, and text messages from concerned friend and family uh, all over the place. And, and quite honestly, for, in the immediate, um, for about two or three hours, like after I got like the first text about it, I wasn't paying much attention to the story. And I went for an hour and a half long walk with my dog through the like World Trade Center complex and yeah. stuff. I mean, we've just like we've, hanging out. We're not to inured him. to it, but we just, we, you kind of get used to it and life yeah. goes on in some ways. But w the one thing that I, I thought was really interesting about it is that there was a, there was a story in the, uh, I think it was the New York Times and there, it was in the New York Post too, about um, this guy's uh, background, but you know, growing up where he was radicalized. I went to Pakistan, he went to Afghanistan and he came back a changed person is always the thing. I don't know who these people are and they go to, to, you know, travel to the seventh century and say, you know what? This is pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start <laughs> acting like this. You know, I'm sorry, but you know, Kabul is maybe like 14th century, but I think he's kind of hanging out in Waziristan. It comes back and his friend says that he had, he had been overwhelmed by these ideas and that he hated gay people. Right. So this is in, this is in the story, right? And then the bomb goes off in Chelsea. And I want to put air quotes here because there are certain people in New York would, that would, would, would contest. I might be one of them. The 20, it's technically 20, flat 20, iron. 20, <laughs> 23rd and 6th, you know. But to somebody who's a homophobe, you're like, um, oh, this is where the gays are. So maybe I'm going to put in here. Like, he could have done this on the Upper West Side or something, right? So is there a homophobic motive to this bombing perhaps oh. one one by the way is that is that a, a military run right so that makes sense yeah and then he puts it Chel chelsea chelsea and his friends say oh he really hated gay people i think if his religion was different maybe this would be a bit more of a focus are we am i wrong about this if somebody planted a bomb in chelsea well and it, it was, was a guy was, named michael Moynihan. i think it was our original thinking wasn't it i mean when i first heard that yeah. there was a bomb in chelsea i thought ah, oh, probably domestic terrorism because it's probably targeted at case yeah i mean, that's I mean a, that was just where my brain this went is but then you the heard narrative. 23rd and 6th and you're like what is useful but what is useful about that what do you mean what is useful about it like how i don't we don't know we don't know. We've got no, no idea. The point, no, 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 no. Okay. Of course we don't. But, okay. but th that's the point. Okay. Is that we don't know in almost any case. Right. And if we had somebody that was arrested. Yeah. Who his friend, he's like just a white guy from, from Philadelphia. And his friends were like, dude, that guy's super homophobic. Right. And the bomb went off on Chelsea. Do you think the media coverage would be different? I do. Well, I think course, it would be, it would be, be a different event. No, it wouldn't. Do you think if he'd been handing out candy, the media no, would be no, different? No, yeah, how would, how would, how, no, 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 it's the exact same event. And no, I'm surprised. Matters. But no, I think, but, but, this but, let's, is, but, but the motive would be the same. But let's, but hold on, here, not, because it wouldn't be jihadism. But I want to get to the point that you're making. I want, I want you to make it decisively. Well, it's impossible to make it if you keep talking, Camille. Here's the thing. 
If somebody is motivated by homophobia... I can't believe Denzel Washington hasn't won more Academy Awards, <laughs> by the way. Can I just say that? I am surprised, that this, I, I am surprised that this point is so difficult to penetrate right here. The, if somebody is motivated by homophobia and they set off a bomb in Chelsea, right? And we seem... This is, seems like a very real possibility from in, in the bombing that we had the other day. And somebody is motivated by homophobia and they set off a bomb in Chelsea. Same event, same thing. Mm -hmm. And they are, you know, not... They didn't go to Waziristan, right? They were not a Muslim, right? If it was just some guy who was a homophobe and maybe had showed up at a Fred Phelps rally or something, that would be the focus of the coverage. We'd Whether be having we a national not, conversation about We would be having a national conversation about sort of domestic terrorism, whether it's, you know, religious homophobia, right-wing homophobia. We do not, we did not have that conversation as much as we should have after Orlando. Most of the conversation was about where is going to be the backlash? Is there going to be a backlash? we had that conversation not, a lot not, after Orlando? Not in the way that I think we should have. It was no. prominently featured at no. both presidential conventions, which includes the Republican presidential I convention, think the focus... where historically this particular group of people have opposed gay marriage. In fact, yeah. the candidates that were running have some of them have actively talked about undoing this this travesty. Um, but you're talking about know. someone who's using in Donald Trump, somebody's who's using um, a fake kind of interest in gay rights to attack. Maybe, maybe, yeah, but maybe it's fake. He did no, it's good. And, I mean, that was good. But but time out. Not not only did it happen, it happened like three times during the Republican convention. It also happened at the Democratic convention. There was no end of conversation about about the the need for us to protect the gay and lesbian community how these how these people are about americans politics. too yeah i'm, I'm saying i'm talking there about was, the media coverage i, yeah, but also, I mean i, I, I gotta call, I mean, I gotta call I, bullshit was... on this idea that it, that it would be an irrelevant thing to uh, to focus on and that it would be mistaken to treat the two cases differently if you had for example someone who had a deep animosity towards gay people and was a Christian fundamentalist mm. who committed an act of terrorism. And then you had a person who had a deep antipathy towards gay people and was a Muslim fundamentalist. Then it would make sense to cover those two things differently because there are, there are multiple components going into any person's motivations. So the homophobia may be the same, maybe the same in both cases. But if one of them is a jihadist and one of them is not a jihadist, why would you not cover the fact that one of them is a jihadist? Well, I, well, I don't, I don't see the difference really. Because I mean, let me I'll try to do it again. I'll try to do this one more time. Of course it is. And of course you would mention those things. And those things would come out when you were describing the motivations and the background of the perpetrator, right? But I think the focus on homophobia would be much more, would be much sharper. Well, if it would the be person, because there wouldn't be these extraneous motivations such as But how time. is it, why do we know, but is, 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 how do we know that that's a motivation? How are we, I mean, look, if somebody says the one data well, point he was, that on we, the, he was on the FBI Islamist, well, uh, like jihadist watch list two we, years we don't, ago. So sure, sure, but if, 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 I don't think we know but that. But if the sure, yeah. I mean, but we have a number of examples of this, of fundamentalists who are neo-Nazis who also hate gay people, like the nail bombing in London, for yeah, instance. Yes, but, and if that were the case, then we'd talk about that. I, I, it's absolutely stunning to me that anyone would think that this idea, like, so for instance, we talked about this earlier, the, the, the thing in, in the uh, mass shooting in Orlando. A lot of this was neutralized by the fact that people said, well, he's actually gay anyway, so we can like stop talking well, about I don't, that. I don't know. And that actually neutralized uh -huh. a lot of that conversation because the cover stories were like, oh yeah, but isn't, wasn't he actually like, just like a self-hating gay guy? 
I mean, that actually was a huge dominant narrative for a while in that thing. And I think that some of this stuff, and there's a million examples of Islamist like homophobia, which is completely ignored when it wouldn't be if it was Christian. I just I I agree more with Josh here, like that because there's nobody agrees with me. There's there's so much content in Islamic terrorism or Islamism, and and there's so much of. I mean, that is kind of the running backstory of our international relations and conflicts over the last 16 years that we plug into that. And right. we, we take the homophobia and the cretinous ideas towards women and all that kind of stuff as all part of this package. Yeah, sort and of that package given. also... We, we sort of don't need to say... There's, there's, there's a million... Out that the, a jihadist is also homophobic. But, 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 how, but, many, how many again, pro-gay again, jihadists it's, are there? Again, it's not the point. The, I mean, the point being is that you have preachers that come to universities. But, um, this is actually, by the way, more in the UK than there is here. There are preachers that are very famous in Paris, for instance, mm-hmm. that I can think of by name, who have said the most unbelievable homophobic things, who were invited to American campuses, had the, if they were not also banging on about Islamophobia and saying how set upon they are, sure. they would never be allowed to come to campus. There is a different kind of set of rules for homophobia in certain communities. That, that and I didn't may, know that, yeah, that I, would, no, I, I didn't know that that was a controversial point. No, no, but I, more, I think not, that that's, sort a, of, that's sort of the corollary of what yeah, you've that's been a, saying. That's, right? a narrow, that's a narrower point. But I you think, don't, but you don't think that making. there's any overlap with this. For that's me, strange to me, from my standpoint, yeah. like, and maybe it's just me, I'm a weirdo. Like when I think Chelsea, I don't actually think, oh, it's filled with gay people. And mm. I also, in this particular case, think that there were multiple sites where he was trying to carry out attacks. And one is in a New York neighborhood and the other is at a run like I don't know that there is a. There's but the only information we know about here. him is so that he I went. Can, the only information we know about him from his friends, and this could again change, you. is not that is 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 that not that he's a jihadist, but that he he changed when he went to Afghanistan, okay. and we know that that we know where that leads. But they all said he really hated gay people. Okay. That's a one data Give point. Me, like oh, that's look, interesting. Listen, and I get it, and I and I get pulling out that one data point, and I'm I'm fine having a conversation about it. I don't know that there it's been sort of under discussed or undercovered. In, in this particular case, but for me, this is not dramatically different um, than the point you're making that the media isn't covering this in a particular way because of the the religious uh, connotations here, that relationship. Um, I don't know if this is a lot different than the way in which I think that race is often injected into stories, whether or not it ought to be a focal point of that story. It's just it's not clear. Like we, this is. This is there's a bit of supposition here. I mean, well, look at, I, to it, be very right? clear, I'm not, I'm not asking that this angle be covered. Yeah, it be you. covered more. I'm just saying if the perpetrators maybe was religiously motivated yeah. by a different religion, the homophobia would be maybe. more front and center. Would be more front. That's just I don't. I, don't I mean, I just want to. But I just want to know. I'll leave it there. Uh, why Camille's doing Chelsea wrong? What just happened? No, I mean, like you, you don't, uh, you don't associate. Chelsea. I just don't. I don't think mm-hmm. about. I don't think well, about the honest, sexual orientation of the people who live there. It is a, it is a sort of a ten-year-old like thing. Chelsea being the gay place. That's I mean, true. now, now the gays are in Hell's Kitchen and, also, uh, and yeah. Brooklyn. Oh, really? Mm. I also don't care. It's just not interesting yeah. to me. Um, That's because you're Jamaican. Well, we're not as sleeping. You, <laughs> as you admitted to me not, recently. Listen, there is intense, in a bar. <laughs> there is intense homophobia amongst the Jamaicans. I do not have any of it. I am disinterested in your sexuality. If we're not having sex. 
That is pretty straightforward. So, but if I'm fucking, it's different. Yeah, I got it. It matters to me. Because I want to know if your heart is in just Michael Winter. Is your heart clear in this it. action? Do you, you still love me? Will you look me in my eyes afterwards? Um, when probably, they're filled with I mean, tears. Mo- most, most likely not, because I know how uncomfortable you'll be. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, but but we have, uh, uh, we've thoroughly destroyed those stories. I, I do want to ask one other thing, though, because I, I wanted to know if... I mean, oftentimes we we talk a lot about a lot of aspects of these stories, but but what do we do here? I mean, Michael, you spoke earlier about um, sort of the sense of the risk that mm. people have, the, the risk assessment that's made by the average American. I wonder if, if if you guys also agree that most Americans sort of have a sense that, yeah, there are risks, there will be attacks, um, but it's not like a great existential risk to the country. I don't it's, know if that's it's all, what you were it, saying, No, but it's also but. The, the instant reaction, by the way, is when it it's, turns out that he's on a watch list or he is, his father reported him and he was placed on a watch list. And we don't know what watch list this was. Right. But the reaction is immediately one where Americans don't, I think, feel a big existential threat. But when they see that media story, how many headlines did you see? I saw a bunch of them that were, and this is always like the Daily Mail headline, by the way, like outraged with capital letters that he was on a watch list. And they basically want to say, why aren't we curtailing these people's liberties more? And yeah, the guy, we know now that the guy set off a bunch of bombs and hurt a bunch of people. But as far as we know right now, he hadn't committed a crime Mm -hmm. and he hadn't done anything to, other than his father had a fight with him. I guess he pulled a knife or something on him. There's this, uh, pulled a knife on his brother and his father, according to him, called the police and said, he's a terrorist. (laughs) And the police, okay, said, all right, we'll take a look at this guy. And he's traveling around, right? Mm-hmm. So, But at what point, what do you do at that point when you have, because think of the reaction, speaking of Islamophobia and this idea of Islamophobia, guys traveling to Afghanistan. He was born in Afghanistan. Sure. His parents are Afghan. Sure, sure. He had a fight with his dad. His dad said, you know, my son's being a terrorist or is a terrorist. And the FBI takes a look at him and they try to curtail his liberties. They try to sort of encroach upon him. Look, I know now what we know, but you don't know that before. And this is the whole argument that people that I got into with people about the terror watch list and guns. I mean, I'm not a gun person. It's not something that animates me. It's not an issue that I care that much about. I don't go crazy about it. But, you know, it was me and a bunch of like real lefties at work, ACLU types who are like, you, I mean, these lists are horrible. I mean, right. you know, I have friends. Steve Hayes was on a no-fly list. I mean, yeah. not, I think he still is. I think, think he still is. And this is like ruins people's lives. Well, and I'm, we can't I'm, deprive I'm, people of constitutional liberties that you don't like. But anyway, I mean, I don't think that the, the fact that he was on a list and people say, well, how did they screw this one up? When, well, when, pretty easily, actually. When dad put, says, son, my son's a terrorist, yeah. go look at him. Yeah. And then he's traveling back and forth to Waziristan. I think I, I, kind I, of a red flag. I, yeah, kind of a yeah. red flag. I'm, I'm kind of a green a, flag. I'm not on the actual no-fly list, but I am on the, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a sub, there's a second tier terrorist watch list, which I'm, which I'm on, which means team. that every time I fly, it, I don't have any troubles domestically, but any time I fly from either the European Union or the UAE or a bunch of other, or I think Japan, uh, I get selected for random secondary security screen. You know every why? single time. Uh, I think it's because I was in Cairo during the counter-revolution, and when I came back into the States after having been there, uh, I guess I said the wrong thing to the to the guy as I was coming into the airport, and they locked me in a room for four hours, and ever since then I've always been, been secondarily screened. So I can attest to how frustrating it is to 
have this completely opaque system where there's no one I can ask about it. There's no court yeah. to which I can appeal. Can't challenge Again, it. like I which was saying, which is why earlier, I asked the question: Do you know why? Because I know you don't. The constitution. Yeah. yeah, I'm just hazarding a guess. Yeah, but yeah. the Constitution of the United States would seem to to suggest that I should have some recourse by which I can go in front of a judge and plead my case, and the government should have to show at least to a secret judge in a secret court whatever evidence they have, and I could be able to explain why I was in in Cairo then. But on the question of, I think the interesting point that you were bringing up there, Camille, is Americans' attitude towards terrorism Mm -hmm. and the question. So I think there are are two kind of parallel things about the way that we're dealing with the, the threat of terrorism right now. On the one hand... I think we vastly overblow the the threat of terrorism in, just in general. I mean, it, you know, the fact that my phone went off on yesterday morning with a universal alarm at seven fifty five because the city was putting out a citywide the first time they'd ever done a citywide alarm so that everyone's phones beeped with the name, but not the picture, just the name of the person who they were who 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 was a person of interest in the in the in the New York bombing. Well. I mean, someone gets killed in New York City every single day. I mean, why is this? Like, that strikes me as an overreaction. The if you see something, say something campaigns, I think, are total bullshit. I think the climate of fear that we engender in ourselves is vastly disproportionate to the actual threat that terrorism, that daily threats of lone wolf terrorism pose. At the same time, there's this other track, which is, I think we're not doing nearly enough to pay to keep our eyes on the big picture of mega terrorism and the and the threat of biological terrorism and the threat of cyber terrorism and the the threat of nuclear terrorism and I wish that we had we were kind of playing a longer game there because I'm a lot more scared about the possibility of an electrical grid being taken out by uh, by smart terrorists who are who are trained in in Ukraine than I am about a lone wolf who who sets off a bomb in in Times Square. Hmm. And I think we focus way too much on the latter and not nearly enough on the former. I think that's right. Yeah. No, I think that's that's uh, mostly right. And I think it also depends on where you live. I mean, I, I don't like the people that try to apply the same lessons, you know, that sort of John Mueller's book or something, or you know, the same lesson of of it's overblown here and then live in France. Uh, it's different in France. It's yeah. different yeah, in Belgium. Right. It's different in Sweden. I mean, especially, you know, when I was last, I was in Sweden and Norway, I was talking to people that know about these things, very been cover this stuff. And the number of people that had not committed acts of terrorism in those countries, but had traveled to uh, Syria to, to, you know, fight on behalf of the Islamic State in countries like like Norway it was like 200 and some odd people. I mean, Norway's not a big country, and that's a lot of people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge proportion. And saying the same thing is true, obviously, in France. Uh, proportionally, the Belgians send the most people to Islamic State. Hmm. So that's a very, very different issue. And, you know, I think we talked about it one time in the show, a, a very interesting book uh, by Brian Burrow, who um, Bo- is it? Bo- is, Bo- oh, mention. Oh, book mention, yeah. <laughs> Who's at Vanity Fair and wrote uh, a book um, that came out this year called Days of Rage, yeah, which is a terrific book. It's a fair, it's a fun book. I mean, I have some problems with it, and I had him on my serious radio show, and he was really interesting. But the number of bombs that were going off, very similar to this bomb that were going off every day in the 1970s in New York City, right? No one has any idea about this. Yeah, the FALN, the 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 Puerto Rican nationalist group. Um, you know, various weather off, uh, offshoots, literally hundreds of bombings a year. And if you look I back saw, at the news, they were in trash cans. I saw the number, uh, uh, t- uh, today that uh, from like 71 and 72, 
that the number was 2,500 bombs. I don't know if they it's, all that, went yes. off. Uh, maybe many of yeah. the majority of them didn't. Yeah. But, you know, the contraption happened 2,500 times in yeah. two years. It, it, and, and they would place them in, often in front of banks, and they were always in uh, trash bins. You know, a couple of the capital things. I mean, there were, there were bombs. I mean, they weren't hugely powerful bombs, but people died. I mean, there was a, a Puerto Rican nationalist bombing downtown at a at a at a pub that's still there and not, I think, far from where Camille lives, where mm -hmm. a couple of uh, cops were killed. One of the cop's sons, actually an activist against releasing the FALN people. Bill Clinton actually um, uh, pardoned a few FALN people in 19, uh, 2000, 1999. And, you know, this happened a lot, but we didn't see it in the same way. And I think for, I mean, that's an interesting well, question of why we don't. Well, this is, I mean, this is interesting. And it, it, I think there is perhaps a relationship between the the observation you were making before about, Islamists getting a pass for or being treated um, differently. Well, being treated differently yeah. uh, when it comes to uh, homosexual their their antipathy towards the homosexual community. Um, but you know, I, I want us to to make certain that we have enough time to get into to some of the current electoral stuff. But I'm I'm genuinely curious about the perspective in the room, especially with what you were saying, uh, Josh, about the need to focus on these other categories of terrorism. Um, the there is sort of this intense interest in figuring out whether or not ISIS was involved. And not just this attack. And we've only talked about the one in New York, but there's also the one in Minnesota where there yeah, was actually right. um, some sort of statement from an ISIS-aligned media organization saying, yeah, yeah, that's totally our guy who stabbed a bunch of folks in the mall. Um, I worry a great deal. Um, and and I, I, I don't want to get into hyperbole here. I worry about whether or not people have a sufficiently sophisticated understanding of the actual risks that they face and the nature of the difference between sort of the main branch of ISIS, which is holding territory in various parts of the world, um, doing some really nasty and heinous stuff, predominantly to Muslims who live there, mm -hmm. about their affiliated organizations, which is a loose confederation of groups who have pledged allegiance to ISIS, but that ISIS has no operational control over. And then the other people which is just this mass of individuals that are spread out throughout communities all over the world, like here in New York, um, people who don't have any direct connection to ISIS, who don't do anything except sort of feel inspired by them um, and then carry out attacks all on their own. Mm -hmm. Like There is perhaps something you can do about that first thing. And there might be some sort of military options related to that. There is sort of intelligence operations you can spin up. Um, there is very little, it seems to me, that you can do about the last thing. And I, you'll, you'll notice that I left the, the second thing alone because, as I said, loose confederation, no operational yeah. sort of control over those, those groups like uh, uh, the ones in Nigeria or something like that. So I don't know that people think about those things in sophisticated ways. You know who does otherwise they Otherwise, they would at least yeah. – there no, perhaps totally wouldn't right. be this desperation yeah. to say it's ISIS because they're – we are, in fact, focusing on the religious component of this and turning it into this massive, huge threat that we all face, which which perhaps, Josh, is what you're getting at. And I, and I want you know everyone to, to be able to bat this around, but I'm, I'm interested in your take. Is that sort of what you're getting at when you when well, you talk about... Well, sort of. I mean, the terrifying thing about the third column there, the terrifying thing about lone wolves, is that they play precisely into the worldview that ISIS wants us to, to, to share, which is that all Muslims are suspect and that... The world is cleaved into these two uh, fundamentally different civilizations, and that is their purpose. of non-Muslim yeah. Western civilization. Yeah, and all Muslims, and and you know, so the Trump really has the same worldview as ISIS in in that uh, you know all Muslims are by definition suspect because really, if they were truly authentic about their faith, they would they would go and join ISIS. So and they wouldn't be in the Skittle Bowl. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's that's a problem. These lone wolf attacks. Yeah, I, I think people have no absolutely. I mean, just from a psychological perspective, people are terrible at calibrating risks. I mean, people are afraid of flying still. You, no matter how many times you tell them that it's uh, that it's not dangerous, right? Terrorism is not something that we should be spending a lot of time worrying about in our day to day lives. But we certainly want professionals who are looking at our foreign policy and and the and you know Middle Eastern strategy to be thinking about ISIS. And we certainly want to find a way to. To, to carve out these lone wolf terrorist attacks into some kind of conversation that, that reassures people that the average person who, who runs a 7-Eleven down the road is not likely to be yeah. one of these people. And I, I always feel like we on the left, I speak for myself broadly as a, as a progressive, have just done a terrible job of articulating properly the crisis at the fringe of Islam, acknowledging that this is a, a, a this is a Muslim problem, acknowledging that there's a civil war going on in Islam, trying to explain to to low low information. I mean, imagine if you're a low information voter in Lyon, in most, France. Most right? voters in the United States are low information. Most voters, voters everywhere, world, are, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. so you know, you're a farmer in Lyon, and all you hear from the political elites and the media elites is that Islam is a religion of peace and that jihadism has nothing to do with Islam and that no Muslim is a terrorist and that terrorists aren't Muslims. And you turn on the TV and there's a bus in Nice that is just plowing people down and the guy's yeah. screaming Allahu Akbar. There are people shooting up Jewish schools screaming Allahu Akbar. There are people shooting up cartoonists screaming Allahu Akbar. There are people going into concerts and machine gunning down people screaming Allahu Akbar. What Jeez, the fuck Josh, are you going to think, right? You're going to think that the elites have no idea this, what they are talking about or right. they're in cahoots with ISIS or it plays to them for some reason. You don't understand why they're yeah, full no of shit, but all you that. know is that they're full of shit. Yeah, yeah okay? I mean, that's, and that's right. We have to find a way on the left to stop speaking that way and say, they are Muslims. They're a tiny, tiny minority of Muslims. There is currently some kind of a civil war going on at the very fringe of Islam, so don't judge your Muslim neighbor for this. You know, the important thing is to sideline those minorities within Islam, but don't deny that they're part of Islam. I mean, no, I mean, this is exactly right. And it's the binary choice that is offered every time is that you can't you can't make that nuanced argument. People try not to make that nuanced argument. They say they try to find some other reason. Like, you know, for instance, the, the, the um, Orlando thing mm -hmm. It's like he was like a self-hating gay guy. And that was probably, I mean, I, I talked to people who said this, who were desperate to take the focus away from ideology. And the ideology here is religion. It's a religious ideology. And, you know, it, it, to, to your, when you get back quickly to your um, previous point before I forget about it, is that, you know, this is, this is how bad policy is made. Because what you said is exactly right. These, these lone wolves, you can do nothing about. But who as a presidential candidate or who as a member of Congress is going that. to say, there's nothing we can do about it. You have to propose a bad policy that is going to overreach and is going to violate people's civil liberties and unfairly target people, etc. But, you know, the people who know this best are groups like Al Qaeda. It's not a coincidence that Al Qaeda's magazine is called what? Inspire. Inspire. Yeah. What Al Qaeda? It's not as coincidence that these were pressure cooker bombs. They were from Inspire, not sure. uh, the um, I ISIS magazine, uh, uh, Dibbuk or whatever it's called. Uh, that you know, build a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. This is they were saying like this is how you do it because you create this kind of chaos. It's exact. It's a modernized version of what left wing terrorism did in Europe in the 1970s where everybody had individual autonomous, quote-unquote, autonomous cells that couldn't be tracked because they didn't know anyone else. 
right? This, they, they were groupsicles, they called them three or four or five people that all knew each other and had no idea who the hierarchy, et cetera, was. And it's the same thing true in America with Weather Underground. But here is now, it's like, we're just going to do it in individuals. And there's no way you can do anything about it because we'll be inspiring them with our propaganda. It's not a coincidence that these videos that ISIS produced are so well made and so slick and so kind of beautifully rendered and, and so grotesque and pornographic at the same time. They are trying to appeal to individuals. Mm. Some of them they want if uh, to come to the Islamic State and be fighters, and others want to stay here and wreak havoc because cells like the 9-11 cell can't really exist today. Uh, I just want to, uh, to uh, refute your statement that you can't run you know, for president or political office and, uh, and point out that you really can't do anything uh, about uh, certain types of terrorism. Because, Perhaps uh, it means you can't win. Because Gary Johnson says yeah, that yeah. every time. He I said that, that transition. on, yeah, uh, on 60 Minutes. He, uh, what is terrorism? <laughs> he said, uh, you know, it's, it might be a bad time to say that, but we really can't, we really can't stop these kinds of acts of terrorism. Yeah, and we've right. got to take the long, uh, the long view. I mean, we work on it, but, you know, we can't stop it. Um, and, Jill Stein uh, said the same thing in Russian. No, and it's um, funny to watch like the Ron Fourniers of the world are, and and also Steve Croft on the uh, on the sixty Minutes interview, uh, which I thought was a uh, uh, you know is defined for uh, for all parties involved. But Steve Croft is like, you want to eliminate. The Department of Homeland Security, yeah. but they're keeping us safe. You're a crazy person. And Fournier is like, you know, nice timing, Gary Johnson. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, it, and it speaks to the kind of dumbass mentality that people have. Like, um, it's enough to say uh, whenever there's uh, some kind of crisis or you're reminded of the continuing crisis that X bureaucracy, which is designed to in the name of fixing it, is by definition, virtuous and effective. Right. Mm. And to say that you want to change anything of it. And in fact, Bill Weld, in his follow-up questioning, uh, the vice presidential candidate was like, well, you, of course, some of the functions within there you would need to keep. That's important. But having a big, you know, slapped together bureaucracy of all these different things doesn't necessarily make sense. And some of the functions that they do are, are bad. So we want to get rid of it. Um, and that is seen like an absolutely crazy thing to say because, <laughs> man, we just had some really shitty pressure bombs in Chelsea. Well, I, well, I wonder, Matt Chelsea, Welch. not Chelsea. I, I wonder, Matt Welch, um, if there was a thoughtful, smart, articulate, intelligent and, and perhaps handsome and dashing gentleman <laughs> or, or woman who was in the presidential debates, and who articulated <laughs> that perspective forcefully um, and thoughtfully? Do you think it might go over well? And holy crap, what is the deal with uh, with your homeboy uh, Gary Johnson? There, it looks like he will not be in the upcoming presidential debate. No, uh, no, uh, they there, made, there's they, perhaps an opportunity for him to be in the second one. Not really. I mean, he's polling at nine percent, and he's been polling at nine percent all summer. Um, there's some slight moving in the last few days that that nine might be getting closer to eight. Uh, and he needs it to turn into a magical 15 um, before the third and fourth debates. They're, they're aced out of the, the first presidential and the vice presidential one. There's nothing to suggest that anything is moving his poll numbers one way or the other. His Aleppo moment didn't have any, didn't move the needle at all. Got a lot of media coverage. There's, a, there's a good barnacle compression by the way. Right yeah, there. Aleppo. Aleppo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which, as I said in the last uh, episode of this, was the much more offensive thing. When yes. he when he responded and said I, oh, Aleppo, <laughs> so they're trying. I mean, they've run out of lawsuits. They've already tried suing them twice. Yeah. Um, uh, they don't. 
they're going to have some kind of uh, counter programming at the debates themselves. We'll see what that looks like and who's involved and who's mm-hmm. asking the questions and whatnot. Um, <laughs> uh, so that will be interesting to see. It's hard to imagine them uh, getting on stage. But you also preface it like imagine a, a handsome, well-spoken, very skilled debater up there. You do realize that Gary Johnson's running. <laughs> I like Gary a lot. I will, yeah. I will be voting for him. He has yeah. his moments. Of, Talking about Bill Weld. Of, yeah, of losing. <laughs> Lucidity uh, on occasion, uh, oh, and and some and when uh, Camille, you and I saw him in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, he was that was he was uh, pretty good. He was, on, he was pretty good. He was I, on his game. I was imagining a Denzel Washington, not Manchurian, <laughs> not Manchurian candidate, but Denzel Washington like presidential candidate. But third party um, candidates always finish with about in the actual election with about half of what they're polling at. Is that going to happen this time, or um, is Gary going to stick out a little bit, uh, a little bit greater? That has always been the case, with maybe one uh, exception over the last like 40 50 years but they lose most of that lead during the summer so uh, after the conventions uh, or during the conventions um and uh and that's when people start freaking out about the supreme court and these types of things this hasn't happened harry anton had a piece in 538 uh about this like we expect their leads to go in half that's what happens historically what, is it, what does it say that everybody hates these candidates so much and they're so loathsome in so many ways i mean i think donald trump is 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 a more loathsome character than hillary clinton i just think i just feel, it's like what robert conquest said when they said he said why do you think the holocaust is worse than the gulag he said i just feels that way and yeah. that's the same way about trump i just think he feels that <laughs> he's a, a good analogy. he's a worse yeah. person than 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 hillary clinton but why is it that the media has been thumbing the scale for Can I just Gary say, Johnson? it doesn't just feel that way i did it write is, you look, a look, long look, essay I, why he is a worse person than i think than hillary i think that you're right about that i just i you don't, i don't want to get attacked by everyone I'm just going to say it just feels that way. I don't want to get into it. He's don't a lot say worse. everyone and then look at me. Well, I just mean, <laughs> don't do that. Well, I don't want to provoke the Camille. The like they're just the same and they're both equally awful. Camille has never said that. Yeah, you have. No, uh, no. That's but, not, that is not my position. Don't misrepresent but we have talked. We have talked about this before, about the media thumbing the scale for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. Like CNN doing two town halls, and they've never done this before. For them, and then like throwing a Jill Stein one, just to kind of like say, oh, and seriously, which didn't rate at all, which didn't rate at all, and you know, people have like sixty minutes is coming. Why is there no movement? Is you know, Cato Institute does these uh, surveys every because no fifteen is, years, no like, one is watching those fifteen percent of Americans, twenty mm. percent of Americans are actually libertarian. Gallup, uh, Gallup, uh, the way they ask people questions they? about their relationship, with the, uh, the the it it are we are we is it an elastic definition like oh it is like an to, elastic we yeah, like to definition. fucking smoke weed but you know we're not really libertarians yeah. is that who we're talking or about on the, or on the other side people who are deeply economic uh, economically yeah. conservative but uh but socially illiberal yeah well right. just think right. about i mean this this election has been very clarifying exercise in how entrenched people get with uh two-party style thinking so people who might have been proclaiming for the past six, seven years that the very most important thing in the world is that we have a more experienced president with gravitas. Hugh Hewitt, for God's sake, right? Who's a guy I know and I like and he's smart and all all this kind of stuff. He has talked himself into supporting a person who not only is not smart, um, He's the, also not a conservative. And is not a conservative and doesn't care about the issues that Hugh Hewitt cares about. But when uh, Hugh Hewitt you know, it, it challenged him a little bit on foreign policy a year, a, a year or so ago, 
Uh, Trump comes back and says, oh, well, you're just a third-rate announcer yeah. who gets lousy rate. I mean, he has the temperament. <laughs> he, of, said it, uh, he said it also during the debate, I think, when Hugh Hewitt was on the, at the kids' table of moderators. They got to ask a couple questions. Yeah. I think he said something about it either before or after or during the debate. Yeah, it was unfair what you said and this yeah. kind of stuff. Hugh Hewitt has talked himself into that. It's amazing that the, the powerful force. I saw uh, P.J. O'Rourke gave uh, an, uh, uh, the speech at the Heartland Institute annual dinner. It's a conservative-slash-libertarian uh, think tank uh, based in Chicago, and we've all seen the PGA Work speech. It was a bit the best one I've seen of the PGA Work speech, but he did get the cow, you know, delivering yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, the cow baby thing in it. But anyways, the whole thing was a really uh, hilarious and spot-on critique of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, in which uh, I think on the cross-examination, he did mention that he was going to vote for Clinton because at least we know what kind of crook she is, and and uh, and she's between the lines of crookdom and, and these types of things. But the whole thing could have been read as, if you wanted, an incredible advertisement for Gary Johnson or just anybody else or just like slitting your throat sure. instead of everyone wanting to do it. And so the first or second question from the audience is like, wow, that was a great uh, you know speech about Gary Johnson, yet you didn't mention him and you're not voting for him. What's up with that? And he said um, in a very convincing way, the thing is, he's not going to win. Yeah. So we yeah. have to well, vote this, for someone who's going to win. And, this and, is, and if I can if I can defend my honor here and advance <laughs> my perspective. What I have tried to say, and oh perhaps God. have not oh, this said has been successfully, sticking in your craw for a couple is, of minutes, a couple of weeks, um, is um, that minute sixty-two. Camille. I don't think that Donald Trump is <laughs> here we go is such a uniquely awful candidate that by the fact de facto, like oh, we, we've got to get Hillary Clinton here. People should obviously be choosing mm -hmm. her. For me, they are both. Terrible candidates, and they, and they and they yeah. and they. And I want to so hear Zeps on concerned, this. I want to hear Zeps on this. Awful presidents because and they're they, because, because, because they're both because instincts. they're both deplorable. Yeah. but but here's the rest of it. The perspective is not so. I don't care if either one of them <laughs> wins. The perspective is <laughs> not. I was winding up. I yeah. was winding up. The perspective is. I would much prefer that people like voted for a candidate that I think is respectable because I think having done deplorable things yeah. actually matters. And us talking about respectability and the fact that he's unhinged and he says all of these disgusting things all the time. Look, Hillary Clinton has actually been a key player in an administration that has done some pretty repugnant and awful things. This and, is the argument. And that is my I, perspective. Yeah, I want to hear Josh's responses. I would say quickly that that you know there is something terrifying about a candidate actually appealing to the basest, lowest, yeah. most knuckle dragging, yes. most hateful instincts of people. Yes, and, and, and thinking, and, and if I'm presuming he does think this, uh -huh. that I can just turn that off when I become president. Because people say, "Well, is he really a racist?" I, I don't care because I see somebody who is appealing to the worst instincts and the worst aspects of society. But Josh Zepps, who said um, it's not even close. Uh, between Hillary Clinton yeah, and it, and uh, and uh, Donald Trump. Well, I'll I'll just touch very briefly on that because I think it's actually the I think the least interesting question we, thing we could be talking about here is is who is worse, Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump? Uh, but doesn't that why isn't that what the choice that you make in the uh, in the voting booth? No, well, it so doesn't have to be. But this, that, I think that, that's, <laughs> that. that's actually the more interesting question. Yeah. Is, is is you know coming from a country that's a parliamentary democracy where uh, we have a Senate that has a number of of you know maybe a dozen different parties 
parties in it, including a bunch of independents. I mean, it's crazy to me that in the United States, not only are there only two people running for president, I can kind of understand that that's, that is just an intrinsic part of the of a presidential system that's very hard to overcome. But why are there only two parties in the House of Representatives? Why are there only two parties in the Senate? This just doesn't make any sense. Why should the bar be so high for people to be able to express their will? Like, Matt, I was, I was talking to Nick Gillespie, your colleague on my podcast, we the people live, WTP <laughs> underscore live on Twitter or WTPlive.com. And Nick's, uh, my, my conversation with Nick is going to be coming out this, uh, this, week, uh, this weekend. And I was just expressing my frustration at the idea that you, we, we are expected to, to collect all of our beliefs yeah. about things as disparate as right. race relations, international trade, uh, envir- the environment, economics, uh, culture, social values. And, they, and, and we're supposed to be able to to cohere them into an off-the-shelf box, and you are supposed to be able to predict. I mean, I will occasionally say something on Twitter, and people will attack me for a position that I don't even hold simply because they think that a person who who holds the position that I put forth yeah. must also hold yeah. this completely different position. It happens all the time. Yeah, because yeah. how on earth could you live if you were actually... I don't know, jerry-rigging your own sailboat so <laughs> yeah. that you could actually have what, go wherever you want to go and think independently as an, as an independent human being. This is the crux of the problem with excluding third parties from the, from the debate. The debate is just a one little manifestation of this overall crisis that we've got in American politics where there's no way of expressing a person's aspirations and a person's point of view on the world outside of these preset boxes. And this is why I think the debate commission has made a grievous error. And it's not just because I'm rooting for Gary Johnson, although I am. But because um, that that feeling of I don't understand why all of my disparate beliefs have to fit into only two choices. Yeah, that is with us forever. And it's strongest among the youngest among us. Millennials are least likely to join anything, let alone political parties and are, are you know more likely to kind of have a grab and go attitude towards everything, including their sexuality and all kinds of identities that were not possible. And I'm sure Nick bored you with, with uh, talking about that, or at least he bored me. Uh, and talking <laughs> about, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a very important and valid point, yet that's up against the intrinsicness of the two-party system. And so the debate commission um, is telling younger people, especially, and then those who find that to be odd, like, you're right. Don't we're not interested. But I don't, don't be sort interested. of blame the the debate commission because I regard that as being a, like what what is the what is the purpose of the debate right? If the if the purpose of the debate is is to have a a big boisterous intellectual conversation about all of the threats that face the United States over the long term, then sure, include whoever you want. Include you you know include someone who just hold a, a lottery ballot and get people to apply and pluck pluck names out of a hat. Mm-hmm. But if the purpose is to is to have an audition between the two people who are probably going to be president, then it makes it makes sense to have the rules curtail well, they, and, and rule out as a the non, Gary Johnson's As a tax-exempt nonprofit, they have an About Us page. And the purpose of the debate commission, they say, which, of course, was founded by the Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee in the late 80s, um, the purpose is to provide education to voters about the choices they face over the people who are running for president. Well, just because they're full of shit doesn't mean they're not <laughs> But seriously, yeah. if you if you get on enough ballots, I believe, and that's not, I mean, in this in this mm-hmm. uh, election, it would just be two other people. Um, you should at least, I think, get into the first debate at the very least. The one final point, I know we're running out of time here, but but it is the overlap that, that between people's ideology and their kind of ideological boxes and the two-party system in this country is pretty stark. I... I find it amazing 
that everybody that I know who's a Republican or self-identifies as a conservative all believe the same palette of things. How can that possibly, statistically, how can it possibly be true that everyone has the same opinion on guns and an abor- an abortion and religion and affirmative action? This is so many disparate views that are supposed to all align. And it's not a right-left thing. It's not conservatives. I, young people, younger people that I know, work with, et cetera, will say like, oh God, you must, you're some sort of horrible conservative because I heard you have this this view, like, oh my God, no, not at all. I mean, they, but they can't imagine outside of that box that you could have a view, as as you were saying, that I could think this about guns and I could think this about gay marriage and I could think this about all these other hot button issues. And we're kind of programmed. And I don't know. And I, th- it's the weird thing is I think about this in other countries and other countries that I've lived. And it seems to be very similar there, too, mm-hmm. that there's sort of conservatives and liberals or classical liberals and social Democrats, mm-hmm. however you want to frame it. But they have somehow and I think it's a longer stretch of history, there's a lot of different reasons, have forked out into all these little weird parties. Center parties, farmers parties, conservative parties, Christian Democrats. I don't Democrats. think it's longer history because it happens in Canada and Australia. It, can, it happens in Canada, well. yeah. It's, but in, in Canada's a good example. You have like the New Democrats. It's, it's, a, it's a much smaller palette of parties you would have in Sweden. You have like 10 parties in sure. Parliament. You have like three in Canada. But it's still, it's weird that we have done this and the way that we think about politics has manifested itself in the election as two parties. We think about liberals and we think about conservatives. And, and, and when every time I try to explain that, you know, I have views from all different sides to people, they start short circuiting and their hard drives fail. And, and it's a really weird thing to watch because like, why is that strange? Why? I mean, I'm from Massachusetts, but my father was working class and in the union. And the, there's all these things that affect you and affect your, your They politics. also weirdly think that you're wishy-washy and unprincipled, which yes. is the exact opposite <laughs> of what you actually are. No, right? you're just a total asshole that has very strong beliefs. <laughs> Not you, me. One. <laughs> One. Well, well, we didn't we didn't get an opportunity to get into a lot of the other uh, sort of aspects of the campaign. So I, I suspect we'll get around to that because it's probably not going to be over by next week when we come back probably and do not, this again. Unfortunately, um, what, I think what, they have a date. <laughs> is this yeah, true? Like November eighth or something? Yeah, huh. yeah I'll I think be, uh, they I'll lock be it in. in uh, look that in up, Camille. Fact be, check him. I'll be hey, in on who, Easter Island. Three Pinocchio. Who in the room is going to the uh, to Hempstead, New York? What? That's the uh, the first presidential uh, debate oh, is that where uh, it is? on uh, Monday <laughs> next Monday. Oh, um, I was set to go, and then I was set to watch it with somebody interesting, and I think that watching thing got canceled because the person didn't like something that I wrote. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll explain that that some other time on the air when when it's a definite no, then I'll explain it. But yeah. I'm hosting an online thing, unfortunately, so I won't be able to be there. Definitely not going to that. uh, Like a radio thing? All right. The Um, video thing. So much for my party plans. Are Are you going? Yeah, I'm going. Okay. Other good. conversation. Well, happening. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> all right. um, Let's just have yeah, full conversation. That is weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, clearly, we've uh, we've gone way over our time. Uh, I, I want to thank you, Josh, for your uh, generosity. Oh, it's a pleasure as and, always. And, and hanging Yay, out for Josh a little Zett. bit of, of extra time here. Um, if people want more of me and you, they know where to find me. Where is that? We the people live. Just hey. follow me on Twitter at Josh Zeps. J O S H Z. If you care. <laughs> P-P-P-S, or any any uh, unseemly uh, underscoring there? No, there's no, no unseemly okay. underscoring. Not no, like no. WTP underscore live, which is too complicated. <laughs> Just follow me. And uh, and uh, if you're looking for us, uh, you you ought to know where to find us. Um, it is um, at We the Fifth on Twitter, uh, We the Fifth dot com, um, and on Facebook. I believe it's just forward slash We the Fifth. Or I think the so. My, or you're worse than me. My uh, mm. my good friend and an internet entrepreneur, Henry Copeland. Founder of yes. blog ads. Um, and Business Insider, too? 
Uh, not no, it was Henry Blodgett. Okay. Oh, sorry, Henry. Henry. Yeah. So, wait, this, this sounds like did it's he invent the vehicle as well? My, <laughs> Henry, my Henry is is uh, is less uh, famous, let's say, okay. um, but uh, interesting guy. He said that we need to enable our audience to have a conversation with one another. And he recommended that, uh, you know, having a more vigorous Facebook presence might be a way oh, to do great. that. He's going um, to fund this whole operation? <laughs> no, I told him that we have some limitations. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, so it's uh, and something. And give you that bag? Something, uh, something to ponder here. And we didn't do some idiot wrote this. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I'll he... go. Go, go. You do it quickly. Carl Bernstein, famous oh, Watergate wow. reporter. <laughs> he said the following sentence on TV. He basically has been walking around and uh, saying that, uh, well, Bill Weld doesn't want to be the the next Ralph Nader. So I think that he might be considering dropping out of the race and backing and supporting Hillary Clinton. Um, uh, so total speculation on his part. Uh, no truth to it. Uh, he said this on reliable sources, a journalism program. Um, and just listen to the beauty of this sentence. I was the first one that first reported, I think, that Bill Weld, I believe, is thinking about dropping out of this race if it looks like he and Gary Johnson might get Donald Trump elected. If you break down that, it's I reported that I thought I made some shit up. Uh, and, I, uh, I, I saw great. him uh, at the RNC at some event that was at some like amphitheater and it was sponsored by Zach. And he, I was like, that's the guy, that's Watergate. That's Mr. Watergate. And he was walking around and it looked like he had a massive head wound and that he, someone had, like something had come disconnected and his pants were like halfway down his ass. And I was like, wow, how the mighty have fallen. No one recognized him. And um, and then I met, uh, and I think I told you on this, on this podcast, I met uh, Bob Woodward in the green room and he shushed me. He shushed, did I tell you about this? He no. shushed me. Did he shush you as Michael Moynihan or just some plebe who was trying to talk to like, him? I wasn't trying to talk to him. I was talking... Um, to a um, comic, a uh, very funny, uh, fairly well-known comic. We were standing behind, and we were talking, and we were laughing, and he turned around because Bill O'Reilly, he was going on Bill O'Reilly's show, and it was on on the monitor in the green room, and he turned around, and he had these sort of slits for eyes, and he went, shh, like long, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, and I wanted to be like, dude, Deep Throat was Mark Felt? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> fucking kidding me. Like, what a loser you are. And like, so I got, I got, I got shushed by, by him. And I, my, my somebody that wrote, wrote this is um, something I haven't read. Yeah, <laughs> Today, Richard Cohen, I saw on the, I saw on the, in the paper, somebody's reading next to me, Richard Cohen had a, um, a piece about Donald Trump that, uh, it's, it was something, the headline was something about Trump's Hitlerian, um, something, prophecies or, or language or whatever. The point being is that, um, it, it, don't use it. I, I please just don't use it. I've written about this a lot. I remember I was on HuffPo Live once talking about it. Hello. The late lamented HuffPo Live. That's where I used to work. And don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just avoid the Hitler comparisons because I'll come for you and burn your house down. Wow. Yeah. Just, just like Crystal wow. knocked. Oh my god! Oh, wow. <laughs> That's that not a, a threat. Of wow. That was a good but I just want to say huge laugh for anti-Semitic genocide. <laughs> that, that wasn't a laugh. That was a wow. No, that was a wow. That was a wow. Um, well, that was a wow. <laughs> I had a fantastic time. Um, look for us. Check us out. Come back next week. Write a write a positive review. If you didn't enjoy this, why are you listening? Why are exactly. you still listening? Now? Go away. Never come back. Only positive reviews. More uh, fan art. More fan art. We care about you. More beer. We love you. We adore you. Uh, will somebody bring in the outro music, please? Really? <laughs> we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. Column.
much information. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. As a country, as a world, what is the long-term effect? Used to be, one of the effects is, it doesn't even have to be true, it has to be first. Right? They used to say, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do need to, if you do read the newspaper, you're misinformed. 